2: good afternoon everyone hello and welcome and thank you for joining us on today's uh, today's edition of invest talk wow can't talk on this Monday I think I still have turkey on the brain it is November 26th, 2018 it is the Monday after Thanksgiving and we are solidly into the holiday season which means we're also solidly into the back half of the fourth quarter and the last what five weeks of the year. Uh, the market ended up a little bit today, uh, actually pretty decent today, uh, I think we're about flat on the S&P for the year now, back to, back to flat after gyrating between positive and negative for the past week or so. Now Thanksgiving and Black Friday are over and today is Cyber Monday and we are cl- quickly moving into Christmas uh, as well and I'm sure you're shopping so I have some tips for you on that. I'm Justin Klein and I welcome you to Invest Talk, the weekday financial program that has one clear objective and that's helping you grow and protect your investments and your assets. And of course, we welcome your phone calls and your questions at 888 chart that's 888-992-4278. Now this morning the Dow opened coming um, uh, opened up, coming off the worst Thanksgiving week since 2011, and out of the gates, the market was up. The Dow, the SP, up, and the Nasdaq was up about one and a quarter percent. And we ended up uh, near the highs of the day, from what I remember. Let's see, uh, yeah, pretty much near the highs of the day, which is positive. Uh, certainly, anytime you end near the upper side uh, of the trading range for the day, that's a, that's a positive at least near term. Now, the FANG stocks did well. Uh, most of them were up after being very, very oversold. So, those who have been tied to the FANG trade, right, the or the tech trade or the growth trade, and you've been decimated or uh, really taken on the chin over the past two months or so, then you got a little bit of respite. Now, does that mean you buy in, or maybe you avoided it, and now you're looking to find a buying opportunity? And the question is, is this it? And I'm still going to say no. Now, in the KFP Financial Newsletter, Steve wrote that for the Fang investors, you will note the most, that most Fang stocks are in bear market territory. This should not be a surprise; they were all very extended in relationship to their fundamentals, and that means that we're they were too expensive and needed to come back down to earth, and they have. Uh, Some are coming back down to earth and to levels that are good values. Others still remain very expensive. But what matters most in the near term is liquidity, is the trend of the market, is the indexing craze that is suddenly... Becoming unwound to a degree. Now, we're not there yet. We haven't seen mass hysteria and selling across the board and everyone abandoning the indexing trade or the indexing bubble. But I think this is the first shot across the bow. We are entering, not only are we entering uh, the last part of the year, but we're entering. The first part of next year, which the biggest factor in the market is liquidity, and we're entering a phase starting January 1st of next year where net central bank printing of assets becomes negative, right? We're used to the past decade of central banks creating liquidity by creating money out of thin air, and that can be dollars, it could be yen, it could be uh, renminbi, it could be euros, Fiat currency allows central banks to print money and they've been doing that constantly for the past decade. January 1st we get to negative territory, meaning central banks are taking more liquidity out of the system than they're putting in, and that is extremely extremely important. So, what drives what what assets do well when liquidity is Flowing like it has for the most part of the last 10 years? Well, growth stocks. Exciting stocks. Low quality stocks. What does well when liquidity is drying up? Well, companies that have positive cash flow. Low debts. Trading at modest or low valuations. And in sectors that are anti-cyclical. And if you're an Invest Talk Insider uh, member, you saw my lesson last week on sectors and which ones tend to do well depending on different markets uh, and whether the economy is getting better or worse. Now, light, sweet, crude hit $51 a barrel. Gasoline is at, at the pump for now, is, uh, is down at the pump for now, uh, 47 days in a row. And Bitcoin has fallen below 4000 Bitcoin's a perfect example. It's the perfect example of a low-quality asset that's all about the story. And through 2017, central banks were pumping. And I actually think that uh, behind the scenes that they saw the Bitcoin craze and they knew they had to stop. They knew this thing was getting out of control because... Cryptocurrencies are the antithesis of what central banks want to see. They want to see faith in what they're doing. And frankly, cryptocurrencies are the anti-faith in what central banks are doing. Now, I'm not a huge believer in cryptocurrencies, at least right now, maybe 30 years from now when the technology matures, and I'll get to that later. Uh, but the point is we are in a time where things are going to get worse as opposed to better when it comes to asset prices and especially growth names. Let's go to Kit in San Diego. How are you doing Kit?
3: Fine Hi. Hi Justin. Uh, I have a question about uh, IRA conversions uh, specifically uh, converting uh, from a traditional IRA to a Roth IRA. Mm-hmm. And I've been—I've yeah. heard that it's better to do it when uh, maybe now that the tax rates have been lowered. But however, I'm kind of yep. wondering: wouldn't it wouldn't it be better to do it when you retire, uh, when your tax rate would effectively be the lowest?
2: Well, yes, uh, in a sense. Uh, but sometimes your tax rate can can be lower uh, today. Um, so you're right. It, it is all about when your tax, what your tax rate is today versus retirement. So that's why I say typically younger people, Roth IRAs are better, right? Because they're just out of college or maybe they're in college. Uh, they aren't making a lot of money. Their tax rates are very low, and they're locking in that low tax rate. Uh, and upon retirement, their tax rate's probably still going to be higher, even though they're they're not working. Um, for an average person, middle-aged, uh, who is in a 29, 30-plus percent tax bracket, you're probably, probably not the best idea to be locking in that tax rate when, like you said, and upon retirement, you are likely to have a lower tax rate, but everybody's situation is a little bit different. Maybe you have a pension that's very, very lucrative in retirement, whether you're getting 80% of your pay, right, in in a given year, right, so uh, a, a lot of, I know, I have a family friend who's a police officer, and that's their pension, 80% of their, I think, last three years of working when they retire, and I think it was age 55, so everyone's situation is different, Kit.
3: Okay, what is your general thoughts about converting from a traditional to an IRA and paying taxes on that? Do you think that's usually a good tactic or it varies by person as well? Or?
2: It, it does vary, like I said, depending on your, your current tax rate. Uh, I think a big factor in that as well is having what I would call tax diversity in retirement. I like people to go into retirement with a good amount of both, uh, of Roth assets as well as assets within a traditional IRA. So that you can choose from year to year uh, which to take money from depending on your, uh, your tax rate, your income, uh, as well as maybe doing a little bit of both and managing it that way. So uh, if you don't have any, I would say you want to find the opportunity to do some uh, Roth conversions. Uh, But that's also something you need to do with your tax accountant to make sure that when you do that, you don't push yourself into the next tax bracket. And then all of your income for that year is taxed at a higher rate. So it's definitely a uh, careful strategy that you need to discuss with a professional, a CPA, that knows exactly where those tax brackets are uh, and can guide you through that process. Thanks for the call, Kit. I'm Justin Klein and I invite you to check out our new online training experience, InvestTalk Academy. It's open now. Steve and I are looking forward to making InvestTalk Academy a valuable learning tool for all of our serious investors who listen to InvestTalk. You can learn more about it at InvestTalkAcademy.com. But for now, I'm ready for to take your questions at 888-99-CHART.
0: Thanksgiving has come and gone, so has Black Friday, and today is Cyber Monday. Justin is here to take your finance and investment questions live. Call now,
2: 888-99-CHART. Now, today's main talking point, does Apple have a monopoly on app sales because of their iPhone? we talk about that the US Supreme Court will take the take up the case of antitrust violation where the plaintiff claims damages from inflated prices of apps this is important because going forward Apple is placing a greater emphasis on revenue from their services business right it's why they're eventually going to launch i believe a competitor to Netflix uh, and uh, they're looking to exp- use those devices, their installed base of devices, which at this point is are hundred hundreds of millions of devices out there uh, that run on iOS. and they're looking to get more people to subscribe to the services that they offer. Uh, and there's a very and because of that, there's a very, very important case that is going to matter a lot to that type of business for Apple going forward. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. I also want to talk about four ways that you might be making a mistake when you're shopping on Amazon. Amazon, I don't know if anyone knows this, but Amazon, get this, is 50% of online sales in the US. Yeah. Five, zero. Not 15, five, zero. That is how dominant Amazon is. It's crazy is they don't even make a ton of money from their uh, online uh, uh, retail business, a lot of their ancillary business are driving the recent uh, recent earnings, but they still do well, not going to take any away from them, but I'm going to talk about some things that maybe you're doing when you're shopping on Amazon, because if 50% of the revenue uh, from Amazon is online, then, or sorry, of online sales is Amazon, then odds are that's 50% of your spending out there. So we're going to talk about some mistakes you could be making. Then I'm going to talk about Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies. Uh, I talked about this at nauseum late last year, how it was a big bubble and blah, blah, blah. And it's finally crashed. Uh, And I'm going to talk about where it's going, where the future of the space is, because I don't think it's going away 100%, but I'm going to talk a little about that as well. And then lastly, the trade wars. And we have the G20 Summit coming up in Buenos Aires this week. And it'll be very interesting to see what comes out of that and how that affects the trade wars that uh, are, frankly, ongoing. So that's what's on my mind. This is InvestTalk. I'm Justin Klein, and we have a singular mission here, and that is to help you grow and protect your investments. To get started, I encourage you to take our free risk tolerance quiz at InvestTalk.com. Phone lines are open, and I'm ready for your questions, so give us a call. At eight eight nine nine chart.
0: This is Invest Talk. Here's a reminder about the KPP Premium Newsletter, distributed to each subscriber's inbox every Friday. The newsletter provides a roundup summary of the week that was, offers a look ahead and even puts forth some interesting stock ideas. It's a good news tool for serious investors. And you can subscribe to the KPP Premium Newsletter anytime at investtalk.com. Have you got a question for Justin? He's here, and the lines are open. 888-99-CHART.
2: Now today's main talking point is about Apple and whether they have a monopoly on iPhone app sales or just app sales are surrounding iOS devices. and you know that would include iPads as well. And there is a lawsuit that accuse them of violating federal antitrust laws by require, requiring apps to be sold through the company's app store and then taking a 30% commission from the purchases of the apps or within the apps, right? And this goes back to a 1977 ruling limited limited damages for anti-competitive conduct to those directly overcharged rather than indirect victims who paid an overcharge passed on by others. So uh, it's, it's a complex ruling, but basically what it's saying is Apple is, has a monopoly on apps. Uh, and because of their large market share, they are penalizing developers or consumers actually, because the developers are pushing the, the that 30% charge off on their consumers, right the Apple user. Now, certainly the Chamber of Commerce is and uh, are are backing Apple, right? From the federal level to the state level, but attorney generals from 30 different states are actually backing the plaintiff. And that includes states like Texas, California, and New York. Okay? So this is going to be very, very important. And it's something you need to watch. And I think this is one of the big reasons why... Apple stock has fallen. Now, like I said, a lot of it has to do with liquidity conditions tightening, but a big part is this uncertainty because this is something that creates a moat, right? A moat around Apple. Uh, we talk about competitive advantages and there's uh, the moat. Think of the old style moats around a, a castle, right? And someone has a business and that's the castle. And what's, how big is that moat? Is it really wide and hard for them to penetrate the walls? Or is it small or non-existent and it's easy for another company to come in and knock that castle down and take their crown, shall we say? Uh, and the fact that they have this app store, they take 30% of the revenue, and they control what's what can be sold through this channel, this creates a stickiness to their business. And if there are rules put in place that say, you can now install third-party apps that aren't approved by Apple, that means... What are all these developers going to do? They're going to build third-party apps to install, because then they don't have to pay the thirty percent of their revenue to Apple. So I think this is very important. I do think they have the, the, the plaintiffs do have some case to this, uh, because it is a walled garden, shall we say, that is the iOS platform. And I love Apple. I have iPads. I have iPhones. But I'm just looking at it objectively, and I do think this is an issue. Now, we get a wide variety of investing and finance questions on our Anytime Listener Line number, 888-99-CHART. Let's hear a call right now. Hi, Steve or Justin. This is David from Dublin, California. got a question on Western Digital, Whiskey, Delta, Charlie. I've had this stock on my watch list for a while.
3: Today, it just dropped over 20%. And... string of bad news. And I'm wondering if you think that this is a good stock for me to put into my portfolio or if this bad news is uh, something I should pay more attention to
2: and hold off for a while. Thank you. Bye. All right. He's looking at Western Digital. This is about a $14 billion market cap company. They pay about a 4.2% dividend uh, return equity 39%, uh, their uh, revenue fell 3% year over year, uh, earnings fell 15% year over year, and earnings are st- in 2018 are going to be $14.73 a share, next year they're only supposed to be $7.24 a share, so you see earnings was to decline by 50%, and that's why the stock is down from its 52-week high of $107. Now we're at $47. So it's down 55%. A lot of that has to do with the back of the expectations for earnings. Now the big question is, is it time to buy now? Are, are, are those negative expectations built into the stock? And if you look at the enterprise value, EVA is 4.4, but that's backwards looking. Going forward, if EVA, if earnings are going to cut in half, that's probably more like 9 So, I wouldn't, to me, it's a little bit undervalued at these levels. Operating energy is a 25, but that's trailing 12 months. Going forward, it's going to be half that. So, even at 12.5, that's still uh, relatively cheap. Uh, but it's not a screaming buy. You know, you're looking at past numbers, and to me, it's not a screaming buy. A lot of it has to do with support. There's big support in the mid 30s, and now we're at 47. So I do think it's going to lo- take a while to get through these levels, but long term, I like Western Digital down here, but it's not a screaming buy yet. It's just pretty good. Tomorrow on Invest Talk, what's the difference between risk tolerance and risk capacity? Steve's going to get to that. I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your question at 99 chart. To win, all effective investors use a process. And listeners call Invest Talk every day asking to share our winning process. And they too can win using the right analytical tools. Just what do we use as our everyday go to research tool? Y Charts. It's a cloud-based financial research platform. It is indispensable.
1: YCharts has the powerful tools of a terminal combined with the ease of use of a modern website. We use YCharts every day.
2: YCharts is easy to navigate, visually awesome, and informative. YCharts has filters driven by thousands of metrics, Excel integration, and data visualization to create charts that compare stocks, funds, indices, and more. If you're a serious investor, you'll
1: understand that the precision functionality in YCharts is not free. But YChart has more horsepower and by far better data and filters compared to a giveaway tools from Yahoo or Google. YCharts is a fraction of the cost of something like
2: Bluebird Terminal. And now our listeners can try YCharts for free. You just heard Steve
0: and Justin endorse YCharts. It's the lightning-fast research, data filter, and charting tool they use every day for their investment portfolios. Think about it. Steve is right. Free software cannot come close to the power, speed, ease of use, and practical functionality of YCharts. And serious investors understand that YCharts can pay for itself with just one or two targeted investment selections. So, here's your chance to take advantage of a free trial and a generous YCharts discount. Start by mentioning InvestTalk when you go to YCharts.com. Get serious Get Y charts. Steve and Justin thanked the InvestTalk listeners who made time to sit down with Steve recently in San Jose. If you missed out on the opportunity for your no-cost portfolio review with Steve, go to InvestTalk.com. Then, over the InvestTalk menu link, scroll down to Portfolio Review. You have finance and investment questions. Justin's here, and you can get unbiased answers. Call now, 888-99-CHART.
2: Let's go to Art in Menlo Park. How are you doing, Art?
3: Good, Justin. Thanks for taking my call. I just had a question on um, reducing my mortgage. Um, I'm planning on uh, adding to the uh, mortgage... Probably maybe an extra two payments a year. Is there a way to okay. figure out uh, how long it would take to um, actually pay off the mortgage? Because I know that uh, if you pay, make one extra payment a year, it drops down to 22 years. I'm just wondering, if uh, is there a way to figure out uh, how to um, reduce the principal more by adding another payment?
2: Well... There are amortization schedules that are out there. Uh, you know, you, I don't know a website off the top of my head that can can tell you that. Um, but I do know that taking making extra payments are definitely going to improve it. Uh, I, I don't have any tools that I know of that are going to give you a precise number of what uh, two two extra payments per year is going to give you. So I wish I could help you with that, but uh, I think it's a good idea.
3: Okay. Yeah, I just uh, was. Uh, I just thought maybe there might be an easy way to figure it out. Like uh, I know that if if you had a uh, one extra payment a year, they say it drops it down to, you know, a 30 year fix down to 22 years. So I was just wondering if there was another way to figure this out. But
2: uh, well, I would, am- I would imagine way. so. If it drops from 30 to 22, that's eight years. Uh, I would imagine. Uh, two extra payments would drop you down even more than eight, another eight years, so maybe something in the neighborhood of 15 years. Uh, but I, I can't, <laughs> I, I'd have to do the draw up the amortization schedule. But I would look for that, trying to look for an amortization loan schedule. Thanks for the call, Art. Let's go to Vitaly in Atlanta. How you doing, Vitaly?
3: Doing good, Justin. How are you?
2: Doing well. You're looking at Haines Brands?
3: Yeah, um, I was wondering if this is a value trap or if this is a good buy at this point. I am curr- I currently own it, but I'm wondering if I should add to my position.
2: Uh, I think it is a value trap because I don't like their business. Uh, for everyone out there, this is Hanes Brands. They make underwear, socks, casual wear, t-shirts, things like that, right? Uh, under the brands Hanes Champion and Maiden Form. I don't like it because of how competitive this space is, and I don't think they have a brand that is going to differentiate themselves enough for people to pay up for their products. Uh, you Go on Amazon, there are tons and tons of options of underwear and socks and, and all types of t-shirts that you can, uh, you can purchase from all different companies. So to me, I don't like that competitive position. Uh, And it's something that you don't really need, uh, usually immediately. People are replacing things that wear out, but uh, a lot of people have Amazon and they're gonna go on and they're gonna buy something that is more the cheapest, have the best ratings as opposed to has that brand, right? When you're looking at apparel companies. I want a brand that has some some cachet to it, right? some luxury appeal to it. And I don't see any of their brands doing that. And this is a company that has a lot of debt, about $4 billion in debt. Uh, their earnings are down 14% year over year. And I just don't like their business. Their margins are shrinking. So to me, this is a name that I would be looking to get out of as opposed to be adding to
3: if you're looking at the technical um you know charts and stuff is there a good exit position mm-hmm.
2: well let me take a look uh what's this low about 16 30 something like that i think uh, we could get a bounce back to there I mean, I think this is going to have a lot of trouble getting much above the $17, 18 $18 range. I think that's the high end of what you can expect on a bounce, uh, and I would be looking to get out. Thanks for the call, Vitaly. That was Hanes Brands. H-B-I is the symbol. This is a market where you have to be weary of not only... The growth names that are extremely overvalued, that where growth is slowing, but also the value traps that look cheap based on certain metrics, but their underlying business is dying, and uh, I think HBI, Haynes H- 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 Brands, happens to be one of them. Let's talk a little bit about today, Cyber Monday, and Amazon. And An estimated 75 million people will shop on Cyber Monday, according to the National Retail Federation. And online spending itself could top $3 billion. Now, Amazon is going to take a, a big chunk of that. Like I said, usually about 50%. And BlackFriday.com found that 32% of shoppers think Amazon will have the best deals today. 24% will think Walmart will and 15% think Target will. So just shows you that mind space that people have. They, they tend to shop at, at those three stores, uh, whether that's physically or online. Now, there are some mistakes, though, you can make if you are an Amazon shopper. Number one is always opting for free two-day shipping. Uh, there's tons, uh, There are tens of millions of people that are Amazon Prime members, including myself. And many of the things that we purchase on Amazon... We don't need in two days, right? Uh, if it comes in a week, not a big deal. Uh, maybe we have some of it, or maybe it's a present for somebody, like Christmas, right? You ordered today, you don't need that uh, for at least three weeks. And so you can opt for longer shipping schedules, and many times you will get some sort of discount on what you're buying, or a promotional reward towards future pur- purchases. And if you're an Amazon a uh, member, uh, Amazon Prime member, you're probably going to use that, right? So the downside is that might take you a week, six business days or so to, to get what you want, but if you're not in a hurry, you should opt for that discount or that reward. Number two, you don't time your purchases right. Uh, now I use something called Honey, which is a Chrome plugin that uh, has coupon codes and has a plugin for Amazon that'll show you the price changes throughout the last year or so on a particular item, and you can see whether you're buying that uh, above or below or kind of at the average that it's been for a while. Uh, this happened to me. Uh, I bought a camera, and it dropped a week later for 50 bucks. Uh, I was kind of my fault, I bought it uh, the wrong time. But if you're patient and you time it right, you can get a really good price if you use some nice online tools. There's also camel, camel, camel.com. There's a lot of those tools. So research one, the one that, uh, that that's right for you and make sure you're getting the deal at the right time. And even Amazon has a service that lets you watch certain deals. This makes, you know, if it goes to a certain price, then uh, it'll notify you so you can go buy it. So look for those, be patient, especially on things that you don't need right away. Number three, you've gotten overly seduced by Prime, and I admit I am a habitual line stepper when it comes to this mistake. You know, I go on, I search for Prime uh, products, and I kind of ignore the non-Prime products. But many times, Prime is not necessarily the best deal. Even if you have to pay shipping for something, yeah, that, that that free shipping difference might not make up the price difference. Uh, and people who shop on, or who are not Prime members, tend to shop on Amazon a lot less. They tend to shop around on the internet a lot more. And many times, not always, they get better prices. So don't think that Prime is the end-all, be-all. So make sure you comparison shop. Now, Amazon does offer, on average, lower prices that are 13% lower than other major online retailers. But like I said, not on everything, okay? And then next is don't just... Buy on Amazon just because that's the only place, right? You don't or you think that's the only place. You can find it other places. Now, data shows that prime members shop on Amazon about 25 times per year compared to 14 times for non prime members. Okay, so like I said, don't be seduced by Amazon just because you're a prime member. I'm a habitual line stepper, but hopefully that helps all you out there to make better shopping decisions because. Guess what? The more money you save when you go and spend on your your day to day basis, and especially for the holidays, the more money you're going to have to sock away to your 401k, IRA, etc., and invest. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and we stream and broadcast Invest Talk live in the four o'clock hour Pacific time each weekday. But it's also available 24 seven via our archive podcast at InvestTalk.com. Be sure to subscribe to the Invest Talk podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play as well. And then take a minute to rate and review. Then you can listen to Invest Talk wherever you are and on your own timeline. Now, the lines are open. We are taking your finance and investing questions live at 888 99 Chart.
0: This is Invest Talk. Made possible by KPP Financial, where their commitment to reason and common sense guidance can help make you a better investor. We are headed into the final trading sessions of 2018, and now may be a smart time for you to ask KPP principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein for help with your portfolio. Start with a no-obligation phone call to the KPP Financial office in Dana Point, California, or... Send Steve and Justin a message through InvestTalk.com. The Invest Talk radio and podcast continues now. The phone lines are open and you can call with your questions. 888-99-CHART.
3: Hi, my name is Manny. I'm from South Florida. I'm a 25-year-old postgraduate and I've been listening to your program for a couple of months now. I just want to know what's the best advice that you would give to a new investor like myself that doesn't currently have any major investments in the, the market in general and would like to get my feet wet, so to say. Uh, I appreciate all that you do and I hope to hear back from you. Thank you.
2: Alright, the, the number one advice I would give is don't buy the hype and do your own research. When you're first starting out, uh, every article you read or talking head on TV that you encounter is going to sound smarter than you, and odds are they probably are to a degree. But that doesn't mean they're right. right? Typically, the the news media follows the trend, follows the performance. Right? They're in it to get you to watch, to read, to consume their content. Why? Because then they can sell you or s- sell advertisers your eyeballs and your attention. And that's their main goal. It's not to make you money. It's to get you to watch or read or subscribe. Okay, So... This leads me to say, do your own research and you need to learn how to do that. And that takes time. Be patient. Don't sit there and think that you're going to get rich off of the stock market in a short period of time. Now, you will over decades and you will diligently saving and making smart decisions and not chasing performance which is what most people do right you sit down at your uh, your 401k enrollment meeting and you take a look at the funds that are available and you go oh well what did well what's the best one that did well over the last 2 or 3 years or 5 years and that's how you pick and that's just human nature right because it's the default it's all the information they have the only logical way to pick for somebody who doesn't know what they're doing and it's understandable that you don't know what you're doing it's not taught in school only thing you get is talking heads on TV and so what you have to do is be skeptical of the overwhelming narrative because often that narrative has gone too far Right, uh, markets are cyclical. People are cyclical. What's done well over the past couple of years tends to not do quite as well over the next couple of years. Okay, so understand that. Do your own research, and don't buy the hype. Hope that was a good overview of how you should think about developing your frame of mind when it comes to making good investment decisions. But thanks for the call. Always excited that new investors are tuning into the show. Hopefully we can program, i say program, you've been programmed a certain way for most part, especially in school when it comes to economics and investing, you buy things that are cheap and you sell things that are expensive, and that is generally true. But there are other factors that you need to take into account. So hopefully we can give you a sense of what that looks like. This is InvestTalk, and I'm Justin Klein. Our Monday show is wrapping up soon. We only have ooh about eight minutes left in the program. So if you're going to give us a call, you want to do it now. Remember, we keep our anytime listener lines open around the clock 24-7, so you can call now or later and leave your investment questions. But at the moment, I'm taking your calls live at 888 99 Chart.
0: On the next Invest Talk, what is the difference between risk tolerance and risk capacity? They are not the same. That story tomorrow. But now, Justin's here, ready with answers, and he's waiting for your calls. Eight eight
3: eight ninety nine chart Hi, Steven Justin. I have two questions for you. This is James from San Antonio, Texas. I've been looking at Philip Morris, and it looks like it's made a double bottom, but I'm not really good at reading charts, so I don't really know if it actually has or if it just looks like it has. If you could look at that and mention it on the podcast or the radio, it'd be great. Also, I was looking at Dover, Delta Oscar, Victor. And it looks like it beat earnings but still dropped eleven percent. And I don't know why. Anyway, thanks for your show. Talk to you later. Bye. Alright,
2: I'll start with the last one, Dover. Uh, and you're talking about it beating earnings but going down eleven percent. This is something I need to instill in everyone. This is probably top three of my pet peeves when it comes to Beliefs that the average person has. Uh, number one would be that if the uh, underlying price of a stock is low, it's cheap, technically cheaper, quote unquote, than something that's higher in price. Like if it's $12 stock, it's going to be that's a cheaper company than a $30 stock, right? When that's obviously not the case because it's always in relation to earnings and cash flow and dividend, etc. But I digress. Number two would be his belief that if it beats on earnings and it goes down, goes down, then he's dumbfounded by it. And that's a common confusion that the average person has. Because what the market cares about is not what happened in the past, and that's what earnings are. Earnings are what happened in the past. And companies can beat earnings but guide lower, right? Meaning they beat this last quarter and that beat may be real or it may be accounting fabrication. So uh, the quality of that earnings matters a lot as well. So it may beat the quote-unquote expectations, but going forward over the next quarter or year, their earnings expectations are lower than what the street or what the average analyst had expected and if that is the case the stock will go down almost nine times out of ten so understand that what happened in the last quarter matters far less than what they're expecting to happen in the coming quarters okay and then when it comes to Philip Morris uh, I would say I'd like Philip Morris it did have a double bottom uh, low in Uh, Is it June? Uh, Another low in September. Come off that. Now we're hitting a little pullback. I still like Phil Moore's here. Let's go to Avijit in Fremont.
3: Yes. uh, So uh, AMD had a bad uh, uh, last year, a year before, almost like one or two or two and a half dollars, you know. So I bought the Mm -hmm. shares. Now it went high to 31, then came back to. 2019, so I want to know whether it's going to go up. In other words, what do you feel about its future? Advanced micro devices.
2: I think it's going down. And I talked about this last week with uh, a caller called about Nvidia. And uh, this is not a time to be in chip stocks, okay? This is a company that notoriously has a very boom and bust type of business, right? 2012 and 13, they lost money, 2014 they made money 2015 and 16 they lost money 2017 18 they made money what do you think is going to happen in 2019 they're probably going to lose money Uh, analysts are expecting to make 63 cents a share but if Nvidia's uh, recent earnings announcement is any indication of what's happening in the chip sector there's going to be oversupply Uh, it means that cash flows are going to dry up, margins are going to dry up and the business is going to go south and this is going to go back probably to a single digit stock so I don't like AMD here, I don't like the chip sector. This is not a name that I would own in this market, and frankly it's not one of the best uh, trips, chip stocks historically when it comes to its uh, profitability and its ability to uh, earn profits for shareholders long term. So I uh, know I would not own AMD, I would sell it. Thanks for the call. I'm Justin Klein, and this completes another Invest Talk program. And I thank you for your loyal support and questions. For podcast listeners, you'll be learning much more about YCharts. And did you know that you can get a free YCharts trial and a discount as well if you mention Invest Talk? Steve and I use YCharts almost every day to analyze companies, search for stocks, etc. Thanks for listening. Good night.